0: Good morning, church. It's good to see you today. It's good to have some that have been gone for a few weeks back with us. And if you're visiting with us today, certainly we are thankful that you've chosen Western Hills to worship with today. God bless all of you for being here. I heard of a minister, maybe you've heard of the story of the minister who was making a wooden uh, trellis supporting some vines that were climbing in his garden. This little boy came along and he was watching what he was doing and the, the minister noticed, but the boy didn't say a single word. He was uh, thinking to himself, the minister was, he was thinking, well, maybe he's just trying to figure out things, and he's admiring all my good work. And so he's sitting there for a while, doing his little work there for a long time. The little boy never said anything. So he finally turns to the little boy, and he says, I'm pleased that you're watching so diligently and seeing what's going on. Are you tr- admiring all my work and trying to pick up some pointers of gardening and, and building and things? A little boy responded and simply said, Oh no, I'm just waiting to hear the preacher and what he says when he hits his thumb with his hammer. <laughs> you know, we're like that. And I think what we, we have to remember, and what I want to try to teach in this particular sermon today, is that people are watching. They're watching what we're doing and where we're at and all those things. That we actually influence people around us. Now, we all know that. Someone influenced your life, whether for the good or for the bad. You've had that in your life and we all have in ours. There's a story about another one. It's a mother that took her little boy to school one morning. Dad had to get up and go to work early so he couldn't do that. It was usually his chore. Well, the mother took the little boy and on the way to school the little boy was looking all over the place, looking around from side to side and so on. And, uh, he finally asked mom about halfway there, he says, Mom, where are all the idiots? She said, idiots, what are you talking about? She said, he said, the little boy said, well, usually dad and I see at least three or four idiots on our way to school. (laughs) People are watching and they hear pretty clear, Dilly, don't they? Now we often tell this story as we go through and look at Daniel and his friends. We often tell this story. To our children, it's a children's story and it's a great children's story. We teach them about Daniel and how he was this brave and courageous and he stood before the lions all night long and none of them bothered him and he walked out and we go, yay for Daniel. And the kids go home and they're happy because they know the story of Daniel and the lions then. We also tell them the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing at the fiery furnace, and they go into the furnace and, and you know everything's burnt up except for them and, and they're just perfectly fine, they don't even smell like smoke when they come out, and God saved them. And we go, Yay, for those three fellows. And they go home and they know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now if we look at those stories, those stories, we simply learn that maybe as a child, but certainly they're stories that we need to be reminded of as adults. Because within God's Word, and you know you hear me say this often, but within God's Word, there's so much that we actually miss. and Or even if we get it the first time around, it's often good to go back and get another dose of it. Amen? How many of you normally eat three meals a day? Okay, you get my picture here, right? So it's something that we should go back and look at. Now, you may not like the same thing every meal, but nonetheless... We need to look at some things and I want to take us back in that story again. So Daniel begins his life in Judah, in the land that God had promised him and all of his, or all of his ancestors, as long as they served God, it was going to be your land. Well, we know the story because we're privileged to read through the books of the Bible and we capture these things of what happened. They, the difficulty is that they never truly served God they oftentimes would do pretty good, and then they would just turn away from God. So after many generations, if you will, of disloyalty and abuse, God's patience runs out once again. And in this, He removed all His people from the land of promise, if you will, at that time Israel and Judah, and He removes them from that land, and He does that through a king called Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was not a good king. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sure, thought that he was the king of the world at the time, and look what I'm able to do in all of this. But he allowed, God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to do that and left Israel and all the land there in ruin, as we know. Now, Daniel is exiled and he walks this long journey to Babylon because Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon at the time. And so while they're making this journey, you've got to remember that these are young men. Some would say even teenagers, perhaps. But but anyway, he is chosen by God to do this. And he is now chosen by Nebuchadnezzar to work in the king's court or his, be one of his servants close to the king. So let's begin our reading in chapter 1. And if you follow along, in your Bibles is fine. I'm going to read from the screen here. It says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Now, young men without any physical defect. I'm out. Um, handsome, you're out. I mean, I'm out. Uh, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. I'm certainly out. Well-informed, I'm out, and quick to understand, I'm out. Uh, This is not me in there, I'll tell you. But quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So in this, go ahead with the next slide. Then he was to teach them the language and the literatures of the Babylonians. The king assigned them the daily amount of food and wine from the king's tables. In other words, the choice foods were given to these specific men. These are the best of the best. He's trying to to fatten them up and strengthen them up. That just tells you that some people weren't getting the choice foods. They were getting leftovers. But in this process, we go on to read there, and it says, they were to be trained for three years. This is a long training. This isn't just a ten-week course. It isn't a one-year course. This is, if you will, equivalent, what we would say maybe today, is to the Navy SEALs. These dudes were going to be trained for three years before they could be even placed in to the king's service there. Go ahead with the next. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. They were Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official, and notice this, the chief official gave them new names. There's a reason why he gives these new names, and I'll talk about that as we work through these messages over the next couple of weeks. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, uh, 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 Meshach, I'll get it out right, that's right, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. So we know those, and now we know the the three by those names. We don't even know the real, original names from God. We always tell the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we always tell Daniel as Daniel. We always keep his up front in that process. But what's taking place here? Well, again, to set the stage, all four of these Hebrew names of these men that came from Judah all of these had a connection. Their name was specifically specifically connected to faith in God in some way. So you can look that up and you can find that out for yourself. But these were, these were people that had this faith in God. And it starts out there. Now, we carry a new name when we become these children of God. We're called Christian. We are called to be Christ-like. We have a new name now we represent something just as these men had represented something with their names as well in this process. Now, so all of this is taking place and these names meant something. Now, these names were then changed as a way to do what? To encourage them to forget about God and the traditions of their homeland and become conformed, if you will, to the ways of the gods, little g's, of Babylonia. Now, it was... A forced assimilation, you could say, in our our terms today. It was a forced assimilation. Nebuchadnezzar himself wanted Daniel and his friends to conform to the pattern of this world. Nothing new has changed. For in fact, in Romans chapter 12, it tells us there, do not conform to the pattern of this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. This world will always try to get you to conform to the world. That's what they do. That's what the world will always do, no matter what, in that process. A name change is one step toward accomplishing that goal. Change your name, change your identity. Change your identity, change your thought process. Change your thought process, you change the way your life is run. And when you change your life, you soon will not know who you are or where you've come from. So we change everything. It isn't even close to what it began with. Just look at our country and how far we've come since the writing of those special papers when we first landed on these shores. The, the amount of things that have changed and what the world wants to force into us. Now, if you weren't here a few weeks ago, uh, you, I think you missed out on it, but nonetheless, if you were, you remember I talked about identity theft. And identity theft, this would have been a good one to go to. And I wrote that down. In fact, when I go back and teach about identity theft in the future, I'm going to do a series of messages on identity theft. God's just really impressed that on my heart. Well, I should have really talked about these four individuals because this is what was trying to be done to them. Well, if you remember in that message, I said that the core of what is going on in this mad, mad world in which we live today is that they believe if they can erase Jesus from our history, if they can erase Him from our history in that process, people will soon forget and stop talking about Him. And if they stop talking about Him, they will stop serving Him. they stop serving Him, then we can have our way and do whatever we choose to do. Well, that is precisely what O King Nebuchadnezzar had been doing or was doing and trying to do with Daniel and these men. Nothing new today under the sun. He was trying to do that. Now, we know in advance that Daniel and Meshach, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know all three of them stood the test. And we simply say, yay for them. The question now becomes, for us, it is our time to live. That was theirs, this is ours. The question is, will we stand the, uh, the, the test that we are facing today? Not a hundred years ago, and not a hundred years from now. Because you weren't here a hundred years ago, and you won't be here in a hundred years from now. But you are here now, and so what are we going to do with now, is the question. Give me an amen. Are we going to stand in our time? Well, if things were different, and this was that, and if it was this, and it was like it was it used to be in the old days. It's not like it was in the old days. It is today. So what are you going to do to stand? Before the fall of Israel and all of this land there, these people may have thought, hey, we got plenty of time, things are going great. But it came their time that they had to stand under the pressure. Perhaps one of the greatest set of characters that you'll find in Scripture, of friends, if you will, that one can find is Daniel and his friends, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For Daniel himself was much like, if you will, Joseph. Much earlier, of course, in life, and maybe even David later. They they both were chosen by God, or they were chosen by God at an early age, some people would even say in their teenage years, to do some extraordinary things for God. God was going to use them in a particular way that was going to allow them to do some extraordinary things that would not only change the people around them, but even perhaps nations and people into the future. Now, I love the fact that God gives us these stories. He didn't have to, but He chose to. And He gives us these stories so we might learn from them and gain strength from them in our walk, our daily walk as well. Someone said, well, you talk a lot about faith, Harley. You talk a lot about faith. You're absolutely correct. And the reason why I talk a lot about faith is because faith put into action gives God results. Give me an amen. Amen we need to understand that faith is something we choose to do every single day of our life. You can either be great in your faith today or weak in your faith today. You are somewhere in between the two. Somewhere in that process. So the challenge is to be able to teach from the Word of God, to be be able to give us some strength in our faith walk as well, because this is what we are in. A faith walk. God is with us. We need to be faithful in what we do because we know that God is always faithful. Give me another amen. Alright. For over 70 years, uh, um, Daniel stayed true to the Lord in this service here as you read the story. And despite of the enormous pressures in his life, and there were many of them that came along, many that probably are not even penned in his, in the book there named after him. So I want to talk about these men, and or this man, and then these three individuals, These so these four combined, over the next couple of weeks. Not sure if it would be just one more week or two more weeks. It just depends. But I want to talk about these, and hopefully it will help strengthen you. So I'm encouraging you to pray for me first. Pray that I'll stick with the Word of God. But pray that I will be able to show something in the Scripture that will help you in your walk. And then when you discover what it is that is helping you, let somebody know that. This is what has helped me in this process. Because I think this is something that we all need. All right. Now, Daniel was very precious in the sight of God. Him and his three friends, over the next couple of weeks, as we will discover that. But Daniel was very precious in the sight of God. In fact, so much so that three times in Scripture... Three times it says exactly the same thing about Daniel. Look to, it, look to the scripture there as we put those up for you. I've just highlighted the areas. This is in chapter 9 and chapter 10. The scripture says, for you are very precious to God. Daniel, you are very precious to God, for you are very precious to God. Each of these times, this angelic messenger from God gives the assurance to Daniel and lets him know that he is precious in God's sight. Somebody needs to tell somebody today in this room that you too are precious in God's sight. God created you for this moment. God saved you for this moment. God has given you life for this moment. And in that process, you can take good pleasure in knowing that God thinks the world about you. Somebody needs to hear that. Now, as we move on, he must have been special to have said this three times about Daniel. I wonder sometimes, when I I looked at that this week, and I was wondering to myself, good for Daniel, good for Daniel, good for Daniel, but what about Harley. And so I wrote down, I said, I wonder if there was a book in the Bible that carried my name, what it might say about me. If there was a book of the Bible about you, had your name on it, what would the book say? I would hope that they would pick me on a good day. One of my good weeks. I would hope that that's the one that would be inserted into the Scripture, that the book of Harley, and he was, and it just says all the good stuff. Anybody with me there? That'd be great, wouldn't it? But I'm hoping like the dickens that they wouldn't pick one of those bad weeks or months, or even a year. How about you? I don't want to be reminded that, uh, uh, as we do of King Saul, perhaps, and how he turned out. Failed. Or, or, or what, what about if your name was Judas? Did, did you really have to record that about me? So when we call out characters throughout the Bible, you either think of them favorably or not so much so. When someone calls out your name, what do they see? What do they hear? What do they think? It's really the question, isn't it? Think about it. What would it say? Well, how does one shine for Christ? Now, I'm never going to get my name in this book, but I have my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Give me an amen. Now, that's the important thing. Let's set that story straight. But in that process, how am I going to shine while I'm here? How am I going to make a difference in the world around me, such as Daniel did, and these men did, In their day, how can I do that? How can we live up to the calling that God has for our lives? Now, some people don't want to. Hey, I'm in. That's good enough. Give me my ticket. I'll sit in the back, keep my mouth shut. We're good to go. Some people think like that. But others say, no, 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 no. Others just want to be heard because they want to tell you how smart they are or how talented they are. Hey, look at me. (laughs) You ever see that? But some people just want to shine and do what they do in a humble, with a humble heart before the Lord so that they might represent Him correctly in their walk with God. Those are the ones that I'm after today. Okay? Hang in there. First of all, your faith must be genuine. It has to be a genuine faith. If your faith isn't genuine, people will eventually see through it. And again, remember we talked about last week, God already sees it. Authentic undisputable, true, unadulterated. Real faith is what works in the life of the Christian. That's what works in our lives. It's a mechanism. Without faith, you have no fuel for this thing to get anywhere. Faith is the fuel. Faith is the spark. Faith is all of that wrapped up in one for us to be able to be the ones that shine for Christ in this day and in this time in our lives. And it is very, it's the very thing that causes God to release, to release all that we need in whatever situation we might find ourselves in. Faith releases God's power into your life. Faith releases God's strength into your life. We'll talk about that some as we go along here. Now, fake faith. Anybody know anybody that fake faith Ever see it? What do you think when you see fake faith? Pretty ugly, isn't it? Nobody wants to claim they have fake faith, but everybody knows somebody that has fake faith. That's right. Fake faith is not only hypocritical, is unproductive, and it is superly bad advertisement. Fake faith is real. Fake faith is real as real faith is real. They just produce different crops. Want to produce, produce a good crop? Gotta have real faith. A lot of stories on that particular one. Plug it in a couple weeks. Daniel had an uncompromised faith. Do you? I could just stand there and just let you, just, just, just simmer that on a stove for a whole week. Daniel had an uncompromised faith. Do you? Honest, today is your faith uncompromised. Here's the point. You hold the keys to uncompromised faith. You do. You hold the keys to it. Not your mom, not your dad, not the preacher, not anybody else. You do. You hold the keys to an uncompromised faith in your life. What have you unlocked in your faith bank today? Is it uncompromised? Or is it a little bit of this and a little bit of that? And a little bit more of this is okay because I still do a little bit more than this. You see what we do? Is it uncompromised? Compromised faith is of no use to you or anyone else, especially those that are close to you. There may be things in your life that are okay to, to find common ground on. Your faith is not one of them. It's not. Your faith is what sustains you in your adventures of life. And we all have adventures, don't we? Anybody on an adventure in your life? Huh? You ever see that movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? And their adventure in the backyard? I need to pull that video clip out. Somebody write that down, okay? That's a good one. Because that's kind of what we are, aren't we? We find ourselves out there going through all these adventures in life. And it seems as though the world is passing us by and they don't even notice but we have our adventures in life, don't we? Some are good, some are bad. Some are sweet and special, some aren't so good, and some I just as soon forget, or some I'd like to shake my head and just simply wake up, because I know this is a bad, bad dream in my life. Hmm. Your faith is what sustains you in your adventures of life. Without proper faith, you will wear yourself out, trying your best to do everything that you think needs to be done, and that is exactly what the enemy is trying to do. The enemy, will, uh, the enemy will approach you every time to get you to do something out of the feeling of guilt, so that you will do it in your own power, thinking that you've accomplished something on your own strength. And when you fall for that lie, you will fail miserably in your life. Individually, collectively, as a body of Christ. Churches fail because of that. And strong your faith. Satan knows that, so he tries to wear you out. Got to do more, got to do more, got to do more, got to do more. Now, truth is, some people need to do something. But the truth is, to do more without faith connected to it, you're bound for failure in your life. Satan knows that, and he tries to wear you out. Story I tell real quick... um, when I was a youth minister down in Texas, there was one of the deacons there had built this huge sand pit volleyball, uh, thing at his house and he had teens in my, uh, group and, and we would go over there just about every Sunday night and play volleyball. It was just a blast. We had a great time. Well, next to it is a huge pond. I mean, big pond. And, um, he had a black lab and this black lab always chased the ducks were out there. Well, one night we weren't playing and, or some, some other teams were and I was sitting here watching this black lab and this, He tried to catch this one duck, but the duck was, you know, right across the water. You know, the labs, they're going to dive in. He dives into the water, and he's just swimming around. And so this duck played this wonderful game with this dog, and the dog had no idea what he was doing. So this duck goes out a little bit further, and he dips under the water. Pops up. Dog goes to where the duck is. Duck goes down over here. Dog swims over there. Duck goes down, duck goes back over there, dog goes over there. And it went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until that duck took that dog out the very middle of that pond. Popped under the water, went under the water, went behind the dog, the dog didn't see it. The duck comes up onto the bank, (laughs) waddles a little bit and sits there just watching the dog. Which the dog now turns around and looks back to the shore and realizes the duck is on the bank. But the dog, and I don't know if you can read the expression on a dog's face, that night you could see that dog was in trouble. That dog was completely worn out. It took like five minutes for that dog to get back to the shore with everything. I mean, he'd go under and come back up. He'd spit and sputter and everything. When he got to the shore, he was completely worn out. Why do I know that? Because when he got to the shore, he laid straight out. He didn't shake He just laid straight out with his tongue, like this. And that little duck walked right by in front of that dog. And I could just hear that duck saying, quack, (laughs) quack. Saying, you were in my territory, buddy, and I showed you who was boss. Listen to me, with... Following God without faith connected to it, Satan will wear you out. I don't care how strong you are. You've got to have that faith that connects to what you're doing, that God, in in God, I can do all things. Faith is ours for the having so that we can carry on in our times of pressure as well. The great thing, a great thing about faith is this. It can be activated by anyone. Isn't that wonderful? You may be sitting here today and say, Man, I don't know about this church thing. I don't even know about this God thing yet. I don't even know if I have any faith. God's given you a measure of faith. Scripture teaches that. And the great thing is you can activate faith every day in your life. And the great thing is you don't have to have a 10-week course. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a mom or dad. You can just declare that I have faith in God today. Isn't that awesome? That God gives us the ability to claim Him in this great faith. In fact, faith is the most, write it down, faith is the most rewarding characteristic of the Christian. How do I know that? Well, faith in God to deliver in a time in need is essential for all of us because it holds, it, 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 actually, it unlocks what He holds in His hand. Faith unlocks what God holds in His hand. Now, what does God hold? In His hand. Nothing but good. Can I hear an amen? Amen. If God holds nothing but good in His hands, and my faith unlocks the goodness, why am I not unlocking it, is the question. Faith in God is to... Uh, to deliver to you, is essential. It's what unlocks what He holds in His hands. Your faith is what unlocks what God holds, which is salvation. Isn't that awesome? Faith is uh, uh, faith unlocked. Is uh, it unlocks what God's power is in your life? Your faith is what unlocks God's possible into your impossible in life. You see, without, it says in Scripture, Hebrews 11, and without faith it is impossible to please God. You see that? But notice what it goes on to say, because anyone who comes to Him must believe. That's faith. That He exists. That's faith. And that He rewards. That's faith. Those who earnestly seek Him. You earnestly seek God in your faith, God says, I'll reward you. And all of Scripture proves that out. All of history proves that out. In Mark chapter 10, they were saying, hey, we left all this, we did all this, how can that be possible then? And Jesus comes back and says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. Did you catch that? Through faith. Isn't that awesome? It's the faith that releases the salvation in which you Can have in your life. Someone said, oh, what about, what about, what about if you don't have faith, you don't have the beginning. Having faith releases what God holds for you which is salvation. 2 Corinthians, we all know it says we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight sees impossible. Faith sees and knows God that all things are possible. Give me an amen. Amen. Compromise faith. Compromised faith is saying, God, you can't come through on this one. This one's too big for even you, God. Think about that. Now all of us on a good healthy day and everything running smooth in our life, we would all say, all things are possible with God. Give me an amen. What happens when all hell breaks loose in your family? Well, I don't know about that one, God. Well, this one sure don't look very good, God. I'm not sure. Faith is real. Faith in God is the most powerful way of showing Him your love. Faith in God releases your power, which is limited. Do you know that? So that you can receive His, which is unlimited. With His power, you can now do what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's Christ's strength. It comes, Christ's strength comes to the believer through faith. Through faith. It's like you're trying to run your life on a AAA battery when you have a nuclear power plant available to you. Faith in God releases spiritual forces They can not only move mountains, but declare unto you salvation. Would you rather have a mountain moved or salvation given? How many of you know that you have salvation in Christ Jesus alone? Give me a hand. Then what mountain can he not move? If you believe that you have salvation through Christ Jesus, then what mountain may you face in your life that you think, God can't move this one? He may not choose to. And we're going to find that out next week with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, a couple more things. Back to Daniel. From the very beginning of this story, Daniel did not waver in his faith. And because of it, God saw to it that he and his buddies friends weren't just healthier in chapter 1, but now they even become wiser. Because in Daniel chapter 1, it talks about that. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He made a decision in that process. That means that Daniel made up his mind. He made a choice. You see, there comes a time in your life that you need to make a choice. You need to make a decision. You need to say to yourself, this is what I choose because I stand on the word and the will of God. But it's entirely left up to you. It's activated by you. Now, Daniel was a young man of great faith, but I would also note, and this is where we're going to get to more of next week, but I wanted to bring this in because I want you to savor this this week if you can I would also note that this man, he was a man of integrity. Integrity goes a long way. It teaches much that we'll talk about. But I've noticed this in my life. I've noticed in my life that when you find a person of faith, normally they are people of integrity. And normally when you find people of integrity, they normally have great faith. Not always, but certainly Daniel had both. What does that teach us? What does that teach you? Because if it doesn't teach you anything, it's just for Daniel. If it teaches you something, then you discover it's something for you. So, he says, I would say, find people, this is what it teaches me, find people of great faith and get as close to them as you can, because I believe great faith can rub off on you just as much as bad character can. How do I know that? Scripture, Proverbs 13, walk with the wise and become wise. Hello, dummy. For the companion of fools suffers harms. They may be the fool, but if you're hanging around with them, you're going to get a fool's result. That's what it's teaching. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be misled. Who's trying to mislead you? God or the enemy Satan? God or the world? You know the answer, don't you? So don't be misled by the world. Why? Bad company corrupts good character. Did you notice that? Bad company corrupts good character. See, sometimes what we think we can step into somebody's life and change them. If you're not real careful, you can walk in and they can change you. Oh yeah, it's happened to a many good man. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. But I want to end with this. To see before before we close today, I want you to see that you never know. Somebody got to get this one. You never know how your faith will touch others. Maybe not even this side of heaven. In fact, your faith should affect others in your life. That's why it's so important in our lives. But know this: I believe that your faith can touch more people than your talent ever can. I'll say that again because somebody needs to hear it. I believe that your faith can touch more people than your talent ever can. Sing to me a love song. Write a beautiful words on a page. Build me a mansion out of your bare with your bare hands, and you might impress me. You live your life with genuine faith in God and you can help lead me to eternal rewards. Which is better, you know. Your faith is more powerful than your talent. And someone needs to hear that. Because someone is resting on your talent. And you're resting on your talent alone. Oh, this is my talent. God gave me this talent and I'm resting on it. So therefore, aha, look at me. There's a word for that in Scripture. It's called pride. And you are in for a great fall. Your talent is what you can do. Your faith in God is saying, I know what God can do. Give me a person with faith over a person with talent every time. Because I know that they are relying on God and with Him all things are possible. Never underestimate your influence on others. Never. One last note on this this part, I guess. You know, when you hear athletes that, let's just, for instance, let's just do the pros, for instance. The pros that that play for millions of dollars, and and many are just so talented, it's unbelievable. We'll watch them and cheer them on and all those things. But the truth is, even let's take the NFL right now since we're in the season. You see one after another after another. I wish they showed more stories about the good things. But you see stories of the bad things. And they're pretty ugly. Some of them are, are, I don't, it's just unbelievable what happens. But nonetheless, it does happen. And then normally when they're pulled before the camera, they will often even come back and say, well, I'm not a role model. Yes, you are. Kids are talking about you in school. Kids want to be just like you. We buy your jerseys. We hold the flags. We do all of those things. We put that money in your pocket. You are role models. Some will never believe that. And the reason why they'll never believe that is because they want to continue to do what they want to do and still collect the money that we give them. But here's the thing. Christians, we too, are called to be role models. We're called to be role models. That doesn't mean that anybody in this room is perfect because we're not. But if we're not striving for what God would have us to be in our lives, we're not the role model. We're on the stage. We're behind the camera. I'm not a role model. Yes, you are if you're a Christian. We are role models. God's called us to be that in our lives. Here's a verse for us to end with. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but you are now the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All of us that are called Christians, we've received the mercy of God. Amen? Now watch, dear friends, dear church, dear brother, dear brother Harley, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, To abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. See, those sinful desires war against us. We struggle with that. I'm a man. We struggle with things. Men struggle. Women struggle with things. We all struggle with things. But he says, notice there. Abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that He visits us. We are role models. When Daniel stood up in faith in chapter 1, I don't think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had any idea what they were about to face in chapter 3. But what an example they had to follow. Wasn't it a good one? Sure it was. They had a good example. And the more you connect yourself with people of great faith in your life, it can help prepare you for your battles as well. Here's the question. Are you holding to your faith? Are you holding to your faith in God or are you wavering? Are you wearing yourself out, trying your best to do the things called that you're called to do in life on your own power? A faith step from you today can move you to where God wants you to be and truly where you long to be. A face step of a prayer from believers for you. It stands ready. Our elders will be right here for you. Others will be. Whatever your need is. Salvation. Some of you have never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, He loves you. God loves you. Faith in Him. Receive what He asks for you, which is salvation. Should you be buried in baptism? Absolutely. Why? So that your sins might be washed away, but also so that you might be filled with His Spirit, so that you can walk in this newness of life, not of your own power, but His, that will give you the strength and strengthen your faith in your daily walk. Whatever your need is, now is the time you let us know that, as together we stand and sing this song.